0: Good morning, first Sunday in May, May 2021. I can't believe it, but here we are. Summer's right around the corner. We're all getting excited, enjoying this warmer weather. So happy, happy Sunday, first Sunday in May. Well, this morning, I want you to, uh, as you prepare to open up your hearts, I want to read to you from Psalm chapter 63. Would you just open up your hearts? Let the Lord speak to you through this psalm this morning as we prepare for worship. He says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I want to encourage you this morning to praise him from your heart. Share your heart with the Lord this morning. Open yourself up to him, and I'm excited to be worshiping here together today. Would you join me in prayer this morning? God, we are grateful to be in this space once again. Lord, we uh, quiet ourselves before you this morning. We quiet our hearts before you, Lord, so that you can speak to us once again today. Lord, as we enter into this time of praise and worship through song, I just pray, God, that your, your spirit would be present among us. I pray, Lord, that that we would sense you here in this place, moving among us, encouraging us, Lord, speaking to us, and God, we wait for you. We wait for you, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes on you and not miss what you are doing in our midst. Speak to us, Lord. We glorify your holy, perfect name today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. That is so great. God, we just continue to lift up those that are in our midst this morning that are weak and weary. As we were singing that song, Lord, I was reminded that that we um, as people... On this broken planet, in this broken place, Lord, we often experience days and moments of, of feeling tired and weak and weary. Lord, we are reminded of the physical frailness of our, of our bodies, of our lives. And, and so, Lord, we remember those this morning who are feeling weak and weary. We pray for those who have been struggling with different sicknesses, different illnesses. Lord, we um, think of Everett this morning. We want to remember him. Lord, we know that he has been battling with so many different illnesses. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would touch him this morning. I pray, God, that you would draw near to him. Give him your strength. Lord, I just pray that he would sense your healing presence in and all around him this morning Lord, we are just reminded of of the sickness that is still in our midst in the way of pandemic of the in the way of this of this covid virus Lord and we pray for those who who continue to be affected from this disease lord we We pray for Frank's, for Brett Frankhauser's family this morning. God, we just pray that you would continue to draw near to them, Lord. Continue to be with them and meet them each day with your mercies and your faithfulness and your strength that is new. Lord, I just know that there are going to be moments where the grief will come and, and will hit in a new and powerful way. Oftentimes, it's unexpected, and it's overwhelming, and it's difficult. And so, Lord, we just remember Brett and his family, and we just pray, God, that you would continue to draw near to them. Lord, we remember Belinda's family this morning and the loss of her cousin due to COVID, Lord. And we just pray that you would draw near to them and be with that loss, be with those who are are hurting this morning, Be with her family as they continue to process this grief. Lord, we know that there are many among us that carry burdens that that many of us know nothing about. And so we remember them this morning, Lord. We might not know who they are, but you do. They are seen by you. So, Lord, would you draw to each person, draw near to each person this morning in the way that they need you to draw near to them. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness that meets us right where we are each and every day. Lord, I pray that as we open up your word here in just a moment, that you would speak through your living, powerful word. Lord, I pray that it would meet us where we are this morning, that we would hear a word from you, that we would be encouraged and strengthened by this news, by this good news that we continue to unpack each week and the the goodness of the resurrection, the work of, of the risen Jesus that is seen all around us. Lord, help us to have eyes to see the good things you are doing in and around us. We love you, Lord. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said Amen. I know you've been standing for a long time, but I'm going to ask you to remain standing as we read our word this morning. I didn't want to make you have to go up and down, up and down all around this morning. So we are going to jump right into our word found in Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 13. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he broke, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and saying, "It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon." Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may now be seated. Well, we are here. We are in. um, I think now we are in the fourth week of Easter, and. And um, we are looking at this resurrection appearance found in the book of Luke. And and there's quite a bit to unpack in this passage. And I have to tell you that at the beginning of the week, I, you know, this is not an unfamiliar passage. And so at the beginning of the week, I was thinking, where do we go with this passage? There's so much here. We can go in so many different directions. Um, And and so hopefully the one in which I chose is the right one. and, And we'll see, but I also wanted to stop and notice just the emotion alone that is found in this passage. I don't know if you picked up on it, but there is, is so much emotion that we see in this passage. We see things like just a sense of bewilderment. We see uh, a profound sadness. We can feel and sense the sadness. We, we see, as Jesus lovingly points out, just the lack of understanding. We see some revelation and discovery. We see enlightenment, and I'm sure there's more that you may have seen. But we have to keep in mind, I know we here, we are a month after Easter, but keep in mind this this passage takes place on the day of the resurrection. So this is, is resurrection day, although no one is aware yet of the resurrection, or at least what it means that Jesus' body is gone. No one knows how to make sense of this. And so these two men... I love this scene. These two men, they are walking together. They are leaving the city and they are processing together. They're processing their shock and their grief. We have to take ourselves back, sit in those emotions. They're they're dealing with this shock and this grief, and they're processing that, and they are discussing together intently what has happened, and they're trying to figure out what it means. What does this mean? What do we do next? Where does one go from here? Jesus is gone, and his body is missing, and we don't really know what to do. What Where do we go from here? And this stranger shows up, as Luke tells us. This stranger is among them. Jesus has a a sneaky habit of doing that in these appearances, doesn't he? But he just appears and he shows up among them and he asks them, what's going on? What are you talking about? And I heard a pastor brilliantly compare that question in this moment, uh, uh, comparing that to uh, if someone was walking down the streets of New York City on September 12, 2001, saying, what's going on? What's everyone talking about? That would be crazy to us, right? That would feel so absurd. And so maybe in the same way, these men are just like, are you kidding You don't know what's gone on in Jerusalem these past few days. And so they tell, they retell the story to the stranger that's in their midst. And this scene feels pretty relatable to me. I think there's a lot in this scene that feels very relatable as these men are wrestling with some serious tension and now they have to unpack that in front of this stranger. They have to explain to him these things that they themselves don't understand. How do you do that? How do you explain something to someone that you yourself don't even fully understand and they're having to decide, what do we do with this? When it comes to my faith now in Jesus, what do I do with what has happened where do we go from here? And so I wonder if for ourselves, what is our Christian faith if it's not at time wrestling with serious tension that we feel? What is our, our Christian faith if, if we aren't at times wrestling with what we know and what we don't know? If we're not wrestling with what we see and what we don't see or what we haven't seen? What is our Christian faith if it's not with this wrestling with who God is, what He's doing, maybe wondering where He is, even if He's indeed standing in our midst? We have these conversations in our minds, we have these conversations with others as we wrestle with what it looks like for you and I to be post resurrection people. I think that's very relatable. And then I think that phrase that we read, we had hoped, that's relatable. We had hoped. There is so much expectation in that phrase. There's so much of a letdown in that phrase of this hope not being realized. We had hoped that he would redeem Israel. And we know that he did. He just didn't do it in the way they were looking. And so I can't help but wonder, as I think about all of this, whether it's relatable or not, as I think about this question we had hoped, it's a very past tense question, they're they're kind of wrestling with what they see and what they don't see, I can't help but wonder at this point, as Jesus is standing among them, were they even looking for a risen Jesus? I don't know if they were. What do you think? Were they looking for a risen Jesus Or were they simply trying to process what to do with a dead, crucified, missing body of Jesus? Were they even looking for a risen Jesus? What about us? Do we look for a risen Jesus in our midst? One who is very much present and active A very much alive Jesus who is actively speaking, guiding, directing, and constantly at work among us. Is this the Jesus we're looking for? A risen Jesus? Or are we looking for the Jesus that we read about in in scriptures who just kind of seems like a person in a story? What do we do when we wrestle with our faith in this in this way, when we feel like Jesus is missing, when we feel like he's absent, when we feel like maybe he's left us hanging, or when it feels like he's just unavailable, not there, not doing what we need him to do when we need him to do it. What do we do when we wrestle with these things? Surely we find ourselves wrestling with these things. I'm not alone, right? And to be fair, I think to be fair, we have to point out That in this passage, Jesus' identity was concealed purposefully. That that happened for a reason. And and we know by Luke's words that, that there was a purpose that Jesus was concealing his identity. There was a reason why they didn't notice or recognize him. We might not know what it was, but we know it was a divine purpose. Maybe it was to teach them, here's how you find Jesus. I don't know. But by the time we get to the end... The disciples do indeed discover that a risen Jesus had been present among them. And between the, the time of the tension and the wrestling and wondering what to do, but, but between that time and the time at the end where they discover, oh my goodness, the risen Lord was right here with us and we didn't even know it. In between, I think we see what appears to be at least three true ways in which we can discover how the risen Jesus is in our midst and discover what he's doing. And so I think the first way that that we can discover how the risen Jesus is in our midst is through what we see in this passage, the importance of community. But I'm going to narrow that down even more to the importance of discipleship. I don't know if you realize this, but in a sense, what we have between these two men that are walking and talking about these things, it's discipleship. It's discipleship in its most organic form. You shouldn't miss the profound importance that we see in these two men that are walking, literally walking on a journey, a journey home, and they're like, what is happening? What do we do about this? What, what does this mean for us? How do we live now? What, what's expected of us? See, in verse 15, I'm going to get just a little bit nerdy on you for a minute. In verse 15, we read that they discussed or conversed these things together. And the Greek word used for discussed or conversed is this Greek word um, that I'll do my best to pronounce, homiline. Homiline, and it's the word where we in fact get our English word for homiletics. And I don't expect you to know what homiletics means. It's okay if you don't. But homiletics is often used uh, to describe preaching or, or preparing for a sermon, but it also actually means deep religious discourse. And so that's a kind of a long, nerdy, maybe irrelevant way of explaining to you that what we see in this text is two men that are having this deep, intelligent discussion. Not just a deep, intelligent discussion, but related to Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and where we go from here. What does this mean for us as people of the resurrection? It's the first time we see this in the Gospels. Men who are are discussing the resurrection in this way and what it means for them. And that's what discipleship is. Friends, discipleship at its simplest is seeking understanding. Seeking understanding in it and it's incredibly important because these men are on the pursuit of truth. They're just looking for truth and what it means and how it affects their lives. And isn't that what we're doing? We're looking for truth. We're looking for what does it mean that Jesus was was dead and then resurrected and and then ascended into heaven is now living among us in the spirit? What does that mean? What does that look like? And as we discuss that with other believers, that's what discipleship is. It's at the core of who we are as as Nazarenes and and Wesleyans. It's, It's a part of who we are for a good reason. It means to be in relationship with someone, in a deep relationship with someone that I'm encouraging or they're encouraging me to be a true seeker and student of Jesus. See, a good discipleship relationship, ideally between two, three people at the most, it's this relationship of equipping, encouraging training, as we wrestle with what the resurrection looks like for us as followers and disciples of Jesus. We journey together just like these two men did. We're just living life, walking through this life together, arm in arm, and we're helping each other grow in this knowledge and virtue and character of Jesus. And I have to tell you that discipleship is crucial. It's crucial because without discipleship, you're going to find yourself feeling stuck you're going to find yourself having the same relationship with Jesus maybe now that you did when you became a Christian 10 years ago. You don't feel like you've gotten very far. You don't feel like you've grown. You don't feel like you know Jesus anymore now than you did 10 years ago when you first became a Christian. But Walking with someone that can help you unpack these things, that can help you understand things, that can just be there to encourage you and listen to you and pray for you, that's crucial to our relationship with Jesus. And I want to take it a step further and say that as great as Sunday school is, we just had an in-person Sunday school class for the first time in over a year, and it was great. Adam did a great job, and it was a great class. Sunday school's great. We have a small group once a week at our house, and those are great. I teach that, so I'm going to assume it's okay. It may not be that great, but it's okay Those things are great, but those things can't replace an intimate one-on-one or or group of three people that are really sitting down and unpacking what this looks like for me today, where I'm at in my life right now. So I want to ask you, who are you discipling? Who's discipling you? Are you looking for a risen Jesus in this discipleship relationship? Because he'll be there. He'll be there. The next thing, the next way that we can see Jesus, the risen Jesus, among us and in our midst is through, as Jesus points out in this text, the importance of Scripture. Jesus lovingly, I know it sounds like he's being a little harsh with them when he kind of throws that word foolish in there, but that's just his way of trying to lovingly point out to them, there's so much that you missed. There's so much that was written for you to kind of prepare you and and to help you see this when it happens. Jesus said, there is so much in scripture concerning me, so much that would help you understand maybe even a little bit what's happening here. And that reminds us that, that if we look to Scripture, then we too will find revelations of a risen Jesus, or how to find him, or how to listen to him, or what he might be saying to us. When we are, are students of and, and dedicated to a faithful reading of Scripture, we do find Jesus, and he reveals himself to us in different ways. I like how Walter Brueggemann says that the Bible is how we've gotten glimpses of the mystery of God. Not a full revelation, although we could say it it is that, but it doesn't fully reveal everything that we think we need to know in order to understand what we want to understand, but we get glimpses of the glory and mystery of God in Scripture. And where I was challenged with this this week... Is that, you know, there's a lot of good books out there that talk about the Bible and things that are in the Bible. There's a lot of great podcasts out there. There's a lot of great teachers and and, and people out there that I can listen to and and read from. And while that's great, and we should certainly, there's a place in our lives for these resources, none of that should replace my one on one time in the Word with my Heavenly Father. Because when I open up His Word, And when I give him space and room to speak to me through the raw, just the raw words of Scripture into my life, he is so faithful to do so. And I don't always see it right away. And it doesn't always make sense right away. But he's there. He is faithful in that time. And I want to speak to some of you who say, okay, fine, I I respect that, I understand that, but when I open up Scripture... I don't know how to make sense of what I'm reading. I don't know how to, how to understand some of the things I read. And I want to revert you back to discipleship. I want to take you back to discipleship and the importance of having someone that can wrestle through the tensions of Scripture with you. When you're faithful to read God's word, he is faithful to reveal himself in and through his word. Don't ever forget, as the author of Hebrews says, the word of God is alive and active. It's living and productive. It's always going to speak to us what we need. Are we looking for a risen Jesus in scripture? And then finally, what we see, the the third way we can see a risen Jesus among us is through holy communion, through gathering at his table, it is incredible and not lost on me that this is the very moment that the disciples are aware that they are in the presence of Jesus, is through this breaking of bread. That's the moment where, they, where it clicks for them, where they say, oh, that's, that's Jesus. That was Jesus with us all along because Jesus is indeed seen in the sacraments. And we, we, communion is, is what we call a sacrament. And, and, and a sacrament, as Adele Calhoun says, a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible reality. And we participate in the sacrament of communion often. But do we really remember what we're doing? Do we just go through it like it's another thing that we check off the list? Or do we really contemplate the sacredness that is communion. Because you see, when we hold that bread or that excuse for a bread that we're using right now, (laughs) when we hold that styrofoam circular bread substitute and that little plastic container of juice, these are tangible signs that we can feel and touch as we contemplate the generosity of God and the price that was paid for us for this meal. We participate often, but let it not be lost on us what it is we're doing. And let me remind us that communion is mysterious. As we gather to the table and as we think about these things, it is a mystery to us. And we gather at the table and we think about things like Christ uh, has come. He has died. He is Risen and he will come again. And we just because we can't fully understand what that means for us and and what that means, you know, how that works, we shouldn't refrain from participating because while there is great mystery in communion, there is a great anticipation. There's a great anticipation as we remind ourselves that even though this world feels dark and lonely, we are reminded through communion that the light of the world stepped in and said, this is my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. And we are reminded that the light has come and he's coming again. And we wait with great anticipation we're also reminded at the table that we're not alone. We're not alone. You are not alone. You don't walk through on this journey alone. I don't walk alone. You don't walk alone. We come to the table, and not only are we not alone, but Jesus himself is present among us. This is his table. He's the one who said, do this in remembrance of me. This is a way that you will see me. This is a way that you will find me. This is one way that I will reveal myself to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we come together as a community to this table and we are reminded that we are not alone and that Jesus is present and that he is revealing himself once again. He is offering himself to us once again. And it is indeed a great feast it nourishes us and strengthens us for this journey that we are on. Are you looking for a risen Jesus in Holy Communion? So as the disciples put all these pieces together, they, they break bread with Jesus. They recognize that it was indeed Jesus who was with them. And as they begin to put all of those pieces together, they say that great line, oh, were not our hearts burning within us? Were not our hearts burning as he stood and read scripture to us? And I love how Carla Sundberg says, they didn't need to see him to see him. Their hearts were already burning. In other words, just because Jesus kindly revealed himself to them doesn't change the fact that he was with them the whole time and they knew it because their hearts were burning within them. Are our hearts burning within, at the risen Jesus that is in our midst? Are we even looking for a risen Jesus and trying to pay attention to how he's warming our hearts toward his presence? Are we continuing to look for the ways in which he reveals himself to us through discipleship, through scripture, and at the table through communion? One scholar, David Neal, says, The theological conclusion is that understanding Jesus' true identity is a revealed truth that comes only through the means of retelling the story and the breaking of bread. It is not something attained simply by human observation. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up at this time. And I just want to remind us this morning that like the disciples on the road we don't often recognize Jesus when he is with us, right? And although Jesus is is not present to us in the form of of his physical body being present with us, he does indeed continue to come to us in all kinds of ways. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to continue to look for him in your relationships, in your discipleship relationships that I hope you have. If you don't have one, get one, find one. I'm available, or I can find someone that would be willing to walk through and journey with you. I wanna encourage you to look for him in your discipleship relationships. I want you to look for him in scripture, and I wanna encourage you to look for him to be present at the table, at the communion table. But I wanna challenge you to take one step further. And as you begin this week, as you go throughout this week, I want to encourage you to pause often and look for him all around you, all throughout your day. And who knows, he, he may just show up to you in the form of a stranger on the street. Sometimes we feel Jesus' presence as our hearts burn within us, and other times we feel him in other ways. We sense him in and through an unexplainable peace, through an unexpected hope, through a redemptive conversation. We sometimes experience him through a change of heart that we didn't think was possible. We experience him and sense him through a compassionate act, and there's so much more. As you look for Jesus, perhaps this week, just look a little more intentionally, I want to encourage you to pay attention to where you find him. Where is the risen Jesus? Where do you experience him? Where do you find him and sense him at work? You may even want to write it down so that you remember and ask him how he wants you to respond. And so in a few moments, we will gather together at this table again, and we will share this mysterious yet sacred meal But before we do, I just want to encourage you to spend a few quiet moments alone with Jesus as we prepare to do this, as we prepare to gather. Would you let him speak to your heart? Would you give him space to speak and move in your heart? Would you ask him to make himself known to you in this space? Would you ask him, what is it, Lord, that you want to address in me or speak to me about before I come to this table? So this morning, let us quiet ourselves before the Lord and let us listen for him and look for him at this time.